friends, I want to welcome you back to the Deep Roots Podcast. Richard Clinton here, and we're about to take you into part two of a conversation between myself and Chris Dearborn as we dove into my story. If you missed part one, friends, I encourage you to go back and take a listen. As Chris and I were able to really dive into my story and being able to really unpack the journey that God has really taken me on over the course of my life. And it's been amazing to see how all that has unfolded. And as we go into part two, you'll get to see how Deep Roots Ministries really began with the forming of the Anvil Men's Boot Camp and then the Unveiled Women's Encounter. And what's an important aspect of all that, friends, is that as a result of everything God did in my life, from that surrender on that mountaintop on January 31st, 2015, God took a hold of my life in such a huge way that it started to infiltrate through my family and beyond. And the ripple effects of all that have been amazing to see and to witness. And it was so powerful that one year to the day, I was standing in front of our church family and being able to baptize my wife, Amber, and all three of our kids, which has just been amazing. And then seeing Amber come alongside me, as you'll hear through this episode, it's been quite a ride. So friends, thank you for joining us again. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. So we get into the fall of 2016, and I actually meet uh, a gentleman by the name of Butch. And Butch and I, you know, we we didn't really know each other. We didn't know each other at all, but um, we kind of just ran across one another, and, and it was just kind of this this wild connection that happened between us. And Butch is actually about the same age as my dad was. Um, actually, just maybe a year or two younger, but he... Uh, we just really connected in a lot of ways, and we went and had breakfast one morning just to kind of sit down. This guy, you know, mind you, at this point we hadn't even I hadn't really shared anything about my narrative with him, but we're like, he lived close by, so let's go, let's go meet at Chick Fil A and go have breakfast one morning and just mm. get to know each other. Cool. So I go, we go meet, and I'm already sitting down waiting for him. He comes walking in, he's toting this box of full of books. With uh, with Wild at Heart and all these other Eldridge books and um, and then the Tender Warrior Tender Warrior and other books with with them and I'm like, oh gosh, okay, so <laughs> what's what's happening here? So and I felt like um, if you ever seen the movie Big, I felt like those uh, kids with the baseball cards at the beginning of the movie where you're looking at baseball cards and he's like, need it, got it, got it, got it, got it. So I'm sure going through these books. Yeah, yeah, read it, read it, read it, read it. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was it was just this cool kind of thing um, where I was like, so this guy kind of understands where I'm coming from. He's got all these mm-hmm. this kind of same kind of knowledge and really felt like we both have this heart for um, for ministering to men, especially. Um, in a lot of ways, Butch is um, big with recovery. He's done um, mm-hmm. prison ministry and all that for a number of years, but really had this heart for ministering to men. And so that started coming out. We started talking about, okay, what do we do with that? We both have this heart. We really felt like this huge connection there. This idea came to really to try doing a similar type weekend here for uh, in our area because most people aren't going to take a trip out to Colorado. It's just not the practical for most for people, it's just um, yeah. they're, they're either too busy in their daily lives here, or just you know I'm, I can't go all the way out there and Money. to go to this very costly, very expensive thing to do um, as well. And so we're like, what if we what if we do something local and and start inviting, starting with our, our our church, and then just start inviting people to men to come along. And I'm like, okay. 
sounds like a great idea. No idea how this is going to happen. So we get to just after New Year's, so January 2nd of 2017. Mm-hmm. Butch and I were like, he, he had known about this park up in upstate South Carolina that he had seen or had gone to, and they had this barracks lodge. He's like, I think I can fit maybe 16 guys in there, and we can probably work that out. And like, okay, let's well, let's drive up there and check it out and go see it. And uh, so we went, drove up. We took the trip up and and uh, took saw the, saw the barracks. They let us actually go in and take a look at it. They were very gracious to us because nobody was staying there at the time. We we're like, this would be perfect. I think this would be great. Um, we go back and talk to the um, uh, the rangers, park rangers, and Butch whoops out his credit card. He's like, okay, we're just going to go ahead and book it. He goes, what weekend do you want to do it, Richard? I'm like, uh, how about April 27th? Yeah, that's right. April 27th. Well, I'm just going through the calendar. Like, oh, we'll go with that weekend. So April 27th, 2017 was going to be our uh, our first weekend, what we now uh, later named the Anvil Men's Boot Camp. We had booked it. So we had a couple months, three months or so to put it all together. It was just a wild experience of booking uh, of the day we left there. I'm like, okay. I have no idea what we're going to teach yet. No idea how this is going to even going to happen <laughs> or, or what. Begin. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we said, hey, let's make something fun of it. Maybe we'll add a whitewater rafting trip as a part of, of it just to see if we can yeah. that'll attract some guys to come oh, along, yeah, yeah. And, totally. which was awesome. And uh, so we did that. And we get it the first weekend, and it was like, uh, it was literally right out the gate. We get to April. And we go to our first weekend, we get there, and that first night, God literally let us know, hey, guys, I'm in control of this. You know that, right? Because he just, like, there were things getting thwarted left and right where he just kept showing us, like, yes, this is my show mm-hmm. now. And um, and I'm a planner. I'm a control freak. I want to make sure everything's done mm-hmm. right and in the right way, in the right order and everything. So, you know, the first night things started after the first session, which went, well by any first session standards could first time doing it i guess yeah. um i remember we left that week and we're like ah that went great that's the way i feel about some of my video work i leave <laughs> those videos and you know, i'm like yeah thing looks great and then i look back on them like three years later i'm like oh oh my gosh that was oh my <laughs> terrible but yeah it was it was wild how how all that happened and I remember the first morning there uh, was just the funniest thing because we have I have all these PowerPoint slides with videos and stuff set up, so we're gonna play it on the screen and we get up um, the next morning. The guys are making some breakfast for everyone. They're cooking some pancakes and everything, and they had bought this brought this griddle, electric griddle up to cook the pancakes, and it trips the power in the kitchen. Like crap. Okay, Uh, we'll deal with that. So someone says, hey, let's let's try the griddle in here in the living room area and one of the plugs here on this table. Plug it in so it trips the power in the entire living room area, which is where all the sessions are going to take place. Mm-hmm. Can't do the t- can't turn the TV on. Can't but wait a no. So it trips the power. That's normally not a problem. Why is that a problem? So for the barracks, the room with the circuit breaker is locked. You can't get in there. It's early Saturday morning. Rangers, nobody's in the office. So me... The control freak is freaking out. <laughs> control like, freak is freaking. Yes. I'm like, what in the hell am I going to do? I have no idea how this is going to work. And I got a couple guys are just kind of laughing because they, they they could see the frustration building in me. Like, But they know it's kind of serious as well. Like, crap, we got to figure this out. 
uh, and my buddy Jeff uh, Joiner, he's like, all right, Richard, let's, um, how about we, I'll go with you. We'll go up to the ranger's house and just see if someone can come mm. um, deal with it. We get up there and he can see it all over my face, still kind of frustrated. And he's like, okay, Richard, you stay in the truck. I'll go talk to the park ranger. Yeah. <laughs> you are so, too emotionally yeah. attached to this outcome. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was, I was, I was yeah. livid. But you know, then they came up and they they tripped the breaker and everything. And uh, one of the guys just started rising. I felt bad for her, but it was like, you know, that kind of a fire hazard to not have to have the circuit breaker and everything locked up like that, and just kind of like that oh, should not be open. It, but it, it all worked out. So yeah, but we got to that weekend, and um, it was just it, it was it was amazing to see the way uh, God took a hold of that because there were some really good things that happened over the course of that weekend over the and the hearts of some of the men there, um, and it gave a lot of these men a chance to really look at some things in their life they hadn't ever thought of before, um, and some men that have really been walking with the Lord for most of their life too, mm-hmm. and some pretty amazing breakthroughs that had happened where they really didn't understand the idea of of woundedness for one mm-hmm. um or if the idea of sonship and what it looked like to be a son mm-hmm. um uh to the father and all, all all these different things that were that were really starting to come out and guys were really starting to understand and sort of like we get through the weekend we're like all right great this is this is this is cool we'll you know we decide okay we're gonna just, we're gonna maybe maybe we'll do this twice a year and maybe, maybe we can get enough momentum. We, yeah, since it went so well. Yeah, we, we, at that point, we're like, ah, logistically, great. it didn't go very well. But, no, but no, I mean, no. it's it seems like. But what you what you said though is that you saw the effect of it. Yeah, and it's kind of like it sounds like kind of like what you had at that boot camp. You you got a taste, and you're like, oh, now I'm hungry. Yeah, and that's really what it was. Uh, that's what it was. It was like uh, there was this this open, this huge kind of awakening. Like this is this is important, mm-hmm. even though it, this may be just a small subset of people of men. Mm-hmm. But I really felt at that point in my life, it was like I don't. I'm I'm gonna reach as many people as I can with this. Mm-hmm. And even if I only get one, I've done my job. Worth it. Totally I've worth done it. my job, and I've done what I was supposed to do. And um, so, because and I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how um, much men have fallen short. How much men are in desperate need of being reached mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and it was. So we come, we 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 step this rhythm of we're going to do this twice a year now. We're going to do once in the spring, once in the fall, and we keep that going. And it's been it's been an amazing ride to see all that come together. Um, and then um, after we finish our second one, I we get home and my wife Amber tells me, you know, we're we're going to now do one for the women as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole story of how that came together is pretty wild because we actually before we left for that weekend kept kind of talking to her and kind of saying hey you know this would be cool if you if you could do something like this for women as well and there's a couple of ladies that were asking her um like we should really do something some of the ladies the wives of men that were part of our team mm-hmm. and uh and they 
so before I left for that second weekend, we were kind of actually arguing about it a little bit. And, um, I was like, okay, I'll leave it alone. I'm not going to smart man take you off anymore <laughs> and then i get back from that weekend like that very first that sunday i get home and she's like guess what we're gonna do it we're gonna do this weekend i'm like okay all right great awesome and it was yep. so it's just it, it, it's been a wild ride to see all that come together and so if i may yeah. and please please stop me if you don't um if you don't want to go this direction yet but you said something that i really don't want to forget. You said you saw the need that men needed to be reached. You saw the lack of men being reached. Okay, define men not being reached because the definition of men being reached normally comes out to something like a men's ministry or yeah. a men's retreat. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to kind of put you know, your response in that box. Yeah. But just like kind of free throwing, you know, spitball and throwing things at a wall. Like I would love to hear what this sounds like. And what I know this is, is not just reaching men, quote unquote. It's not, it, it's not so linear and simple as that. Yeah. It, um, it definitely isn't that simple. So what? So what's different? I guess that's. So. What I found to be, the issue. What I've learned to be the issue, and what's not a secret, um, to us, um, now. Is that in many ways men have been. Asleep at the wheel with the way they lead their homes, with the way they lead, with the community they walk in, may or may not walk in. A lot of men, a lot of men, a lot of men walk in isolation um, without any real connection, any real friendship, any real community. We mm. saw that. We saw that in these weekends where a lot of men um, or men came and really for the first time got the experience what it was like to get to know others. Some of them had said, I'd been in a small group with some of these men for several years, but I know the guys at this weekend more better than I do the ones I've known for three, four years mm-hmm. in the small group. There was something that was tangible and real and necessary and needed. And I'll, I'll throw some statistics at you yep. to kind of speak to this a little bit and um, just how much the church as a whole actually has become very feminine. So the church being feminine, that's of course not a bad thing, but it becomes a problem when it when it's imbalanced yeah and it seems that what you're saying is that the church has become basically a woman's church that it is not a place for a man it is it is a woman's organization even though men run it it is it works better with women and so it's it's just all cut tailored and packaged and sold yeah to women yeah basically Absolutely, and I think that's that's the critical piece. And um, I'll throw some numbers at you. And these numbers come from the book The Heart of a Warrior, which is written by Michael Thompson his, uh, and his ministry, Zoe, which we've really become closely connected with. And so to speak to that, the U.S. church is 61% female, 39% male. On any given Sunday, 13 million more women attend church than men. Eight percent of churches, eight percent, eight percent actually have a men's ministry. 
and I would venture to say this is mostly those men's ministries that just have their maybe monthly or quarterly men's breakfast or whatever, you know, yep. whatever. I grew up with it. Yeah. In those men's ministries, less than 10% actually attend the men's ministry. So, so, so let me, so let me name this. So 61% female. How many percent male? 39% okay. male. So 61% female, 39% male. Of those churches with already an imbalance, you have 8% of those which even have a men's ministry on the label. Now del- delving further in, only 10% of the men in those churches, of that 8%, only 10% of those, the men in those churches go to those events. Those men's gatherings, yes. Yep. That's exactly right. And I imagine the number that are actually engaged in some really real way. Mm-hmm. So what that tells me is that the, the church in many ways has missed the mark on on truly reaching and teaching and training up mm-hmm. and discipling and really growing men mm-hmm. to really become followers of Jesus and, and really step in as, as the leaders and men they're, they're meant to be in a lot of ways. And Michael even says this in his book, The Heart of a Warrior, that until the healing and training of men becomes the, cent- the central mission of the church and not just one of its many ministries, men will never find what it needs within, the, within their walls. Mm-hmm. And friends, let me just interject here. I, myself and Richard, are part of the church. Yes. We both go to our local church. So I have, and I'm sure Richard has to some degree, both been part of the problem. So we're not blaming. We're just stating a fact. Like we are part of the problem as well to some degree, but we have seen it. We've seen the effect of these numbers in our own lives and in the lives of the men around us. So I just want to interject that and say, hey, we're not pointing fingers. Like if we're pointing a finger at anybody, that finger is, it started by pointing at ourselves saying, wow, we have done a pretty crappy job of connecting on a heart and soul and spirit level with the men around us. I think that's huge. And I appreciate you interjecting on that because that's exactly yeah, because I'm not trying to we're not trying to cast blame or anything. It's just the way it's been. And we're 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 a part of it and we are we are the church and that's just but that's just the reality of the way things are in this mm-hmm. Western church society right now. So tell me if I'm going too fast, but but that ties into something that we've talked about already. Many people nowadays say men are such a such a problem you know oh my goodness look at all the violence done by men look at all the men that are checked out and it seems that in our current age men are only they're expected to fall and are in some ways uh people almost want them to fall into one of two categories which is either checked out not engaging or too violent and and not caring and there doesn't seem to be any room for a balance of those two and so people just kind of throw both of those men under the bus and just say you know men are a huge part of the problem well what we've already talked about is 
if men are such a huge part of the problem, then we must be a huge part of the solution. Because, guys, like, I mean, what's, what's the most, friends, what's the most evil kind of being that you can think of? Isn't it like some super religious, holier-than-thou pastor declaring his perfection and his ability to have it all together? Of the bullshit that's out there, isn't religious bullshit the worst? So if we think about religion was supposed to be the, the solution to our broken world, Christ coming and, and establishing a kingdom that is outside of the realm of this world, that was supposed to be the solution. But it's been warped and distorted, and the counterfeit is so much uglier because of the thing that it was meant to be. So if we have such a violent reaction to a man who has missed or misused his calling, something says, well, then we can't just throw it away. We, he must be that much more a part of the solution. But I, but I feel like that's, that's an important thing to say. Yeah. I think that's hugely important because I mean, think that for each man, and I think our heart behind this is that we know with inside inside of every man, if every man is truly a creation of God, if every man is truly a unique being created by God, then every man has a place where they can be a part of the solution. They'll be a part of what this can truly look like. And imagine the utterness of every every man stepping in and really not no longer being checked out, no longer living in isolation, truly walking in intimate fellowship with God, truly walking with an intimate relationship with other men in their life, mm-hmm. truly leading their families, truly and their wives and their and their children, and then their their everyday work and all of that. What that looks like, what that can look like, mm-hmm. and, you know, just a subtle subtle glimpse of the impact that already has, you know, statistically, Barner Research released these statistics that show us that in homes where the child comes to faith first, if, the, if, if one of the children in a home comes to faith first, 7% of the people around them will come to faith as well, 7% of family members. If the woman comes to faith first, if the wife, if the mom comes to faith first, 17% family members around them come to faith in Christ. If the man comes to faith, if the man comes to Christ first, 93% of the people around them, of their family members, come to faith as well. 93%. That right there already shows the huge impact of what Mm. happens when men step up in that role. And guys, for the men listening I promise you, if, if you're not in that in that position already, your wives are starving for it mm-hmm. already. And let me just pause this. Man, we've heard enough about the evils that we've done. I mean, heck, you've told yourself enough how bad of a person you are, how much of a piece of crap you are. I find myself holding on to that statistic quite a bit, actually, because... 
for once in my life, I hear something that says, look at the power that you have for good. I mean, think about that. All we're told is X many percent are in prison for murder. X many percent uh, of, you know, there's X many uh, single moms out there, which that obviously reflects on the men. And you're like, man, where's the, where's the dude? Come on, I say it too. But to finally hear something, this many percent, 93% of the people in men's lives come to Christ when the man comes to Christ. That, that's a huge deal. The devil fears who you will become. And so he tries to destroy you. So just pause and think about that. How much that means. What that means for you and especially those around you. You are an instrument, a dangerous instrument for good. Wild. That's huge. And I'll add to that as well, just to, of just how you want to be the type of man where you wake up in the morning and the devil says, oh crap, he's up. So yeah, there's this thing that John Eldridge says that the, that the story of every man's life is the long-sustained assault against him by the one who knows him and fears who we, he will become. And that's the, that's the important thing about our story is that knowing that, you know, we've come under assault, men, in so many ways and so many levels of our lives. And Satan does not want you to know the truth about who you can become and about who you are. And Dallas Willard says the most important thing about you is not what you do, but who you become. So it's all about becoming. It's all about choosing to become who you have been meant to be to begin with. Satan does not want you to know that. and does not want you to become that because he knows that at that point you become a threat to him. You become a threat to his kingdom. You become a threat to his realm. And, um, and that's that is being assaulted mm. in every man's life, in every man's heart, and that in different ways. But the truth that is truth for every single man, mm-hmm. and that's um, and that's what we've come to find out. What we've come to find to be re- the reality. Our heart and our desire and our mission behind all this is seeing men is leading men to really cultivate deeper union with God, to really learn to cultivate deeper union with God, and when they. When they become oriented, when they become alive, it compels them. It really compels them at that point to really begin to lead their families and those around them into deeper and this freer, this more abundant life with Jesus. And that's mm-hmm. our heart. That's why we do what we do. And that's the mission that's been laid ahead of, ahead of us. You know, Chris, we have no idea what this is going to look like no. in, into the future. You know, we, no. we're at this point, you know, we're in, into our fourth year of doing these weekends we're now officially as a ministry, as Deep Roots Ministries, are about a year old, you know. But we knew God was doing something with these weekends, and 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 we knew He was leading us into more. And um, and so our heart in all this is to go after the many in the hopes of finding a few that will mm-hmm. step up, you know. And because the reality is, that Jesus tells us that uh, in Matthew that He tells us that the 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 gate is narrow and the road to life is very difficult to travel and there are few that find it 
So that's also the reality in all of us. We don't want to see anybody. God doesn't want to see any man, any woman, any mm-hmm. child left behind. He wants to see everyone to come to him. The reality is, is not everybody will. So mm-hmm. our heart in it is that we, we get to speak and get to show this life and this, this message to as many as we can in the hopes that some do come along. Mm-hmm. And if we get everybody, oh my gosh, that'd be great. But, you know, it's not the reality. It's not, it's not what's going to happen, but, but we want to be able to reach as many people as we can with this mm-hmm. message. And we will be doing this mission in our hearts and our God a disservice if we didn't go after this. Yeah. That's, how, that's the way I see it. We're just one piece in the body of Christ mm-hmm. doing what we've, we know. And, if, and this is what I found to be true for my own life. What I find to be the reality of what I and what I've and this is still forming, right? I don't know. I still don't know what's around the next bend. I still don't know where God is leading us next. Mm-hmm. We've we're into our fourth year of doing these weekends, but I know this mission and this reality is so true and it's so important to go after. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I don't put my heart behind this, then I've just wasted the opportunities that have been laid out before me. I've just, these, these opportunities that have been teed up for me to go after, mm-hmm. for me to pursue, for me to do that I know that has been laid before me by God. And it has to be my God because otherwise this kind of stuff was never on my radar five years yeah. ago. So I don't just make this stuff up. Yeah. You know, um, so I know that's, that's where it's coming from. And Paul tells us in Ephesians to make the most of every opportunity in these because because these days are evil. Mm-hmm. And I know that those are the opportunities that have been laid ahead of me, that these are things that weren't on the radar, that weren't anywhere in front of me, but I know has become part of following Jesus into this unknown, you know, of the way he's using me, us, this ministry, to help lead men and their families into deeper union with God. And that's what it's about. It's mm-hmm. all about that. And, and, and then the discipleship aspect that comes from that of once of, of them learning to walk with God and then hoping to reach others mm-hmm. in, in, in the same way. Because it doesn't start stop with us. It doesn't start with us. We're just, we're just a part of this mission. And we are this one kingdom outpost in, in mm-hmm. this vast landscape some that we've gotten to know that that are also doing the same thing and that are all after the hearts of men. And mm-hmm. it's hugely important, and I think it's something that we can't ignore, we can't uh, let go of. And if we did let go of it, we could easily go back to life as normal. Mm-hmm. But take what does that mean? Pill. Hmm? Could take the blue pill. Yeah, you could take the blue pill. Yeah. And wake up in your bed believing up whatever it is you want to believe. <laughs> But it's true. It is. It, but, it, it, you know. Like, what does the world say? Take the blue take pill. Take the blue pill. And wake up and believe whatever it is you want to believe. You can be anything. But in, when you become anything, you become nothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we have a choice to make in this, and this is the choice we're going to make. And this is where I've decided to go. And I'm thankful to have guys like you and the others that are a part of this team that, that are a part of this with us. Because... There's so much still ahead, I feel. And I feel like God's leading so much more, putting so much more ahead of us. And it's not about 
we don't do this for any kind of notoriety. We mm-hmm. don't do this for anything other mm-hmm. than just a carrying out this mission. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. So, so I really want to this this like a drum this keeps on pounding in my head just like multiple times during you telling your story when your dad died you talked about being isolated not having anybody to really talk to um when you talked about the weekends you talked about how men are having deeper friendships than they've had in their entire lives and some of these guys we're not talking like 20 year olds. We're talking like, gosh, I think the average age of our people are like maybe 40 to 50. 40s, 50s, yeah, yeah, probably. Like it's, it's, we're not talking about young guys like, oh, you haven't done enough life. No, 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 no. We're talking old people. Like yeah, season People, in. you probably would look at them and say, oh, yeah, they got friends. But anyway, so these people are finding friendships at a weekend. So that should say something about the content of their other friendships. Well, kind of when you're talking about Jesus, just this, this flash came into my head. You said, we are not unique. We are an outpost, one of many. Okay. Jesus was not unique. Jesus didn't come into the world like riding on the horse born in a palace, like he didn't come as the conquering king. He did not come as a somebody. So I said Jesus wasn't unique. He was unique, however, in the completely unearthly way that he connected with men. And just these words came into my head. A few men who are deeply bonded with each other can change the world. You can't underestimate that. And that's what was unique about Jesus. That's what no one was doing is his truthfulness with the men going from congratulating Peter, how God revealed to him, you know, you know, God revealed to you that I am the son of God. You didn't gain this from men. You gained this from God. But that leads me to, this other statement that's been beating in my head. Close friendships. Intimate male friendships in this day. Intimate male friendships in this age is not an option. If you don't have close male friendships and a tragedy hits, which it will at some point, you will be in a tailspin. And I think that's the unique, quote-unquote, thing about our ministry. Only unique because very few people are doing it, but there's a lot of outposts throughout the world that are doing this radical thing that nobody, <laughs> many people have just ignored. So I just, I just feel that to be the drumbeat is close, close male friendships is essential. Jesus did it. Jesus and 12 guys literally shaped our entire Western civilization. Like, literally the things that you heard preached when you were a kid was shaped by one smelly 
dude sitting with 12 other smelly dudes in the middle of a desert saying, I am the son of God and you will go throughout the world and we will change the world. That's just blows my mind. So, so I think that's the takeaway for me, at least when I hear your story, when I hear our mission stated again is we have to have those relationships. That's so, so essential. Cause I mean, you, you said that you, you articulated that very well, Chris, what for me, when my dad died, my life went on tailspin because I had part of the reason was I had no one else. I had no close friendships. I didn't have any men that I could really talk to, you know. I, you know, I had my brothers and and all this kind of stuff, but it, it you know, it wasn't the same. We weren't doing life on a day to day basis, and that was sorely missed for my life. And I think showing that and what that looks like and what now and understanding the way Jesus modeled that that walk and that this that need, Jesus, God needed other people in His life. In the garden, yeah, he was garden. asking, please yeah. stay awake. Yes. Please pray with me. Yes. Not for me. I mean, I th- maybe he said for, but he said, please stay with me to his three closest. Yes. He, he wanted them and needed them there with him. He knew the importance of that. And we talk about living the life of Christ and living like Jesus and learning to live like Jesus. That's what part of what Jesus modeled was that relationship. We need that. And men all over have lost that i know if i'm i'm just one man in a world of seven billion i know i'm not the only man that's walking in isolation like that that was walking in isolation like that so i know very well you know very well that that that's just something that's a necessary piece that we have to go after as a part of what we do it's not so the teaching men and showing men and, and helping them really understand their own personal walk, their own, what their own lives with God looks like, the way they've seen themselves, the way they may have been wounded, the way the healing they may need in their own lives, all those things are hugely important. But really understanding the piece that's also missing is the need for real brotherhood in their lives, mm-hmm. real redemptive brotherhood where you now have trusted men that you can do the day-to-day life with. Because mm-hmm. I can now legitimately say that I now have those few, and you're one of them, Chris, that I can call when everything in my world crashes. Mm-hmm. And this is this past year has been one of the hardest years of my life. Losing my dad was hard. This past year has been one of the hardest freaking years of my life. Mm-hmm. And But I've had men like you in my life that have, that have been there with me through it all. And that's and I don't know other than that and my walk with God, if I don't have that, I don't know how I make it through this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how me and my family sustain ourselves and really get navigate our way through it. Mm-hmm. It's needed. We have to have it. Um, and if you don't have it, I, I, friends, I encourage you to find those few, to pray about who those few are. If you don't know mm-hmm. them, begin to yeah. ask God to send those few to your life that you need because you've mm-hmm. got to have it. In your life, it's so important, and 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 it's been missed by so many, and that's a part of the reason why men have also lost their place in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me just 
put something in there on the friendships. Um, a common misconception is that men view these kinds of friendships as like, wow, Mr. Right just dropped out of the sky and fell on my head. So, man, okay, these relationships, uh, some of them are unexpected. And some of them are men that you normally would not hang out with. Heck, some of them might be men whose guts you hate right now. You never know what God's going to do. But the short, the short version of what I'm trying to say is that these relationships are started and sustained by hard-fought battles for relationship. You you don't get to drift through a close relationship with another man with your brain turned off, with, with your heart disconnected and your soul tucked away somewhere safe. That's just, C.S. Lewis has said plenty about that. I won't quote him here, but that's a thing that you cannot do. So if I was you, I would think of an intimate or a vulnerable or a close male friendship, whatever word you you feel most comfortable using view that more as a north star as a lighthouse that you're shooting for don't expect it's gonna happen in the next year you know or next week next year next two years you know ask for it trust god move toward it but there's what i found at least for me it was a solid five years ago when I started realizing the kind of men that I wanted to be around and started desiring to started reaching out to meet those men. And that wasn't realized really in any way, shape or form. In fact, I had to get out of some really bad relationships to realize the friendship that I have with you now. And I wouldn't say that we're like some, my favorite thing, we're not riding through a field together on horses laughing. Like it's, <laughs> but the takeaway relationships like that are hard fought for. So treat that idea of your ideal relationship uh, as, as a North Star, not as, okay, if I don't reach it in this long, then this mission has been a failure. No, it's, it takes a long time, a lot of mistakes. Just keep, pushing at it and eventually you'll just you'll find yourself suddenly surrounded by the kind of men that you want to be around absolutely what's the thing that morgan says morgan at ransom heart says that to find like-hearted kings that are after the same things that you are after and had to fight through the same things to get to it and that's hugely important that's that's part of how you kind of begin to understand and begin to identify that it's never it's not always going to be pretty. You have to fight. You have to be willing to fight through some serious junk together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's but that's where trusted relationship and trusted friendship is built. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. you know, and if you don't have it, you know, you're missing out. You you're miss, missing a key aspect of what a real full life can begin to look like. Mm-hmm. So, friends, I think that's going to do it. For this episode of the Deep Roots Podcast, I want to thank you for joining Chris and myself as we really dove through my story and dove into what has become the mission of Deep Roots Ministries. 
And there's so much more to unpack, friends, and you'll probably get to hear more as we go along as as we move into the future. God has done so many tremendous things, not just in my life and in my family, but in those around us and the connections and relationships that have been forged as a result of this surrender to Jesus and allowing him to really take a hold of my life and really move in the way that he desires to move. So friends, if you'd like to learn more about who we are as Deep Roots Ministries, I invite you to visit our website at deeprootsministries.org. There you can find more information about our backstory, about who we are, and find out information about our missions and and the things that, that God has laid in front of us. And it's been a wild season. As most of you know, right now we're dealing with this COVID-19 outbreak. And it's forced us to unfortunately cancel our spring and summer events, the Anvil Men's Boot Camp and the Unveiled Women's Encounter. But we're very hopeful that all of this is going to subside. We're looking forward to putting new dates in the calendar as this thing begins to die down and we're able to see a way forward. So we'll trust God with that. But friends, also check us out. on. We have a new YouTube channel online as well, and there'll be new videos that we're placing, including some fire pit conversations that I started doing a few weeks back as this outbreak began and just sharing my heart through all of this. So I invite you to check out our website and learn more about us. Till then, friends, we look forward to seeing you back here on the Deep Roots Podcast.